Welcome, Wildcats, to Weaver State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who would commit to a school for a solid student section, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who would commit to a school for a solid dinner, Sean Lewis. I am easy. You buy me a good steak. I'll pretty much do whatever you want. Next, we have a man who would commit to a school for 100K in a briefcase and a Tesla AC. You know what? Colby wants a solid student section. Sean wants a solid dinner. I want a solid 100K and I'm yours right now. <laughs> and finally, we have a man who would commit to a school for immediate playing time on the pickleball team, John King. I'm not signing on, on the dotted line to sit the bench. <laughs> no one does. On today's show, we have a we have a really special treat for you, Wildcat fans. Uh, we have a coach's interview with assistant coach and recruiting coordinator, Jared Ursula. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the recruits that signed on National Signing Day a couple of few weeks ago. Uh, talk about that. Talk about what it means to be the recruiting coordinator, especially in the age of COVID-19. We're also going to talk about survivalry. Uh, we are going to hear this week that SUU will formally be leaving the Big Sky Conference, just the way Matt Brown talked about on our show a few weeks ago. And so what we want to talk to the panel about is what will that mean for the rivalry, the Beehive Bowl between Weber State and Southern Utah. If you haven't already, please uh, subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. All of those are good places to get the, the freshest Weber State content right to your ears. And you can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. We'll usually live tweet some of those games. So interact with those tweets and uh, stay up to date on all the, the best stuff. All right, Wildcat fans, we have a special treat for you here tonight. We are joined by uh, assistant coach and recruiting coordinator for the football team, Jared Ursua. Uh, appreciate you, coach, for coming on Weber State Weekly to talk a little bit about the the recent acquisitions we've gotten through National Signing Day. We've got a lot of really exciting young talent coming up on the show, and we wanted to talk about it. So, Jared Ursua, thanks for coming on Weber State Weekly. No doubt. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be uh have an opportunity to hang out with such a cool panel of guys. Oh, so, shucks. Thanks. Uh, we appreciate you, Coach. And so, Coach, we wanted to start, uh, start out by talking to you a little bit about the job. Uh, you're an assistant coach now. It's your second. You've been here for two years at Weber State. Um, previously had been with your alma mater at Southern Utah. Is that right? I thought we weren't going to bring up the T-Birds today. Well, you know, we got to do it. We got to do it, especially on today, you know, because uh, there's there's an announcement out there we're going to talk a little bit about. They're in the news. We have to we They're have to uh, we have to poke where we can. <laughs> and so as part of your role at Weber State, like I said, you are the recruiting coordinator. And so we wanted to understand a little bit more about that. Like, what does that mean, coach? You know, because you have your day to day job with the team. You have your the, the group of guys, your wide receivers coach, among other things. And so what does it mean to be the recruiting coordinator at Weber State University? So the first thing is is the, the lifeline of every college football program, uh, every successful college football program is recruiting. And so recruiting is a part of every single day. And how you do it is going to differ based upon the calendar. Um, and that's what makes our job so fun. Uh, we get out, uh, you know, uh, generally at this time of year and we're home visiting people. It's a little bit different. This year we've been um, Zoom meeting and doing facility tours uh, through, uh, you know, our, our Zoom service. Uh, but generally we're out in families' uh, homes, getting to meet them and, and where they're from and their coaches. Um, and then uh, from, from that point, we transition to spring recruiting where we're out and getting to meet the next class. And then we're in summer camp where we're, so it's just a, a constant calendar of, of meeting the up and coming athletes and building relationships. Uh, Coach Hill is, really big on focusing on an area. Uh, so one thing in the job description that, that 
uh, Coach Hill and I work closely on is, is assigning people to an area that they're going to find a great success. For example, Joe Dale, right? He covers Texas. He's got a great feel for uh, the, uh, the, the Dallas, Dunkerville, and DeSoto area, that, that main metro hub of Dallas. And, uh, you know, we were able to pull uh, two from Texas last year uh, in James Bruce and our young man. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Smithson Field uh, uh, down. Uh, he went on a mission. And so the first thing is personalizing it to the coach to make sure we put them in an area to do that. And then that coach's job on a daily basis, like I said, is to create the relationships that are going to help us to know who those kids are going to be. And what we're really looking for, the bottom line, if you had to highlight it in one word, it's a special. Something special, something special. It might be size, it might be foot quickness, uh, it might be speed. Uh, and so we're looking for that special and we build relationships on a daily basis so that people and contacts that we have in those areas, whether local or a little further away, you know, we've got Coach Hammer in Oklahoma, uh, you know, uh, Grant Duff does a wonderful job in the Pacific Northwest. You're just getting them into those areas, build relationships and, and find those special young men that we need to attract to Ogden, Utah. Yeah, and so you talked a little bit about, obviously this year was a little bit different, a lot more Zoom as opposed to going and meeting the players' homes like you normally do. And so talk to us a little bit about that, especially the, the campus visits, because you know, you're know you sitting right now in, uh, in, a, in our spanking new auditorium for the, for the players. It's a beautiful facility. And uh, from what I'm hearing from other schools in the state, they're getting pretty annoyed by us uh, showing it off. But uh, we don't care because it's so great. And so uh, we've got this great new facility in the north entrance and Stewart Stadium's gotten some upgrades as well. Talk to us about how you guys were able to handle those Zoom meetings and those virtual campus visits. How, how did that work out? So what we were doing on a pretty consistent basis, based off the schedule of the young man, the athlete and their family is find a time. And then we would put, you know, different coaches in different areas of campus. So within a single phone call, uh, that player could get a vibe of the indoor, uh, the west side of the facility, which of the athletic facility, which looks out to the field and looks out into campus and out into uh, the greater part of Ogden. Um, we put coaches down uh, in the junction uh, so they get a feel for town. And so it was really our responsibility to give the young man an opportunity to get a feel of what the vibe of Ogden was on campus, off campus, and in the locker room. And then the, the facility is the easy part, right? I, I mean, it, it, it's gorgeous. The LED lit up wildcat, the custom uh, Ukrainian carpet that we have on the floor, it's not, but it, we say it is. And, and all those things that make it just this really beautiful setup that most people, when they think of FCS football, they don't realize how nice we, we have it. So we've caught a lot of attention. Other things that we've done on a simple note, you know, with our media team with Paul Grua is, is, is getting these, uh, these edits and, and things of that nature that are kind of personalized to them to let them know that we're excited about them joining us. And though we aren't with them in their living room, um, we, we know because the relationships that we've built and the trust that we have with those people, what we're getting, and we can't wait to get them up here. Yeah, uh, I will say that the the media that has been produced of late, especially around the football team, a lot of those edits from last season, especially after the games, were really good. I thought that they were exciting. And so for them to take that and uh, apply it to those individual recruits, I can see how that would be a selling point for some of those kids to show that, yeah, we really do want you to be a part of what uh, we're, we're growing here in Ogden. Shout out real quick to Paul Grua and Dylan Smith, 
who coordinated so much of that. And Todd Campbell, those guys did a, a wonderful job. You keep going. I just got to make make sure those guys get their names thrown out because they did a great job of that. You're great. I, I was just going to say, Coach, that uh, one of the things I've noticed, I, I've been a fan for 20 plus years since I started uh, as a freshman in, in, in the late 90s. I'm old, but uh, uh, I, you can definitely tell a difference in the facilities and, and the game day experience and all the things that have changed over that time. So credit to the administration and the university for all those things that have been built over the years and, and those donors that made that happen. So much credit to be given there. Oh, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, one, I want to, uh, one of the things that coach Hill uh, when he started here at Weber state several years ago, he said he wanted to win some of those in-state recruiting battles um, and I think this year we finally saw some of those where we got, uh, was it Icorn, where he had offers from, from some of the bigger schools that we won't name here in the state. And, and we were able to get him to Weber State. And that's the type of player that maybe we hadn't been winning those battles uh, before. And, and I've heard some rumors about some different things. I'm not going to ask you to tell, tell your secrets, but what does it do for a program or what does it mean for the Weber State program that we're starting to get some of these kids that could be contributors at some of the other schools in the state, but they're choosing to come to Ogden? Well, I think the first thing is a credit to, to Coach Hill, and you pointed it out, and it's his mindset. He comes from big-time recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. So everything that we do, he doesn't want it to feel like a step down from what BYU or the University of Utah are, are doing. Um, the second thing is the staff. He's, he's brought in a staff of coaches who are recruiters. I, I mean, and I guess as time kind of goes on, I, you guys will get more of these these coaches on here, but you're going to see that there are some pretty dynamic personalities. Uh, you know, Quinton's name was mentioned. Uh, I, I mentioned Joe Dale, Coach Myers, the wealth of experience that he brings. Mm -hmm. Every single guy, and I can't name them all, but, you know, uh, they all are excellent recruiters. And then when you say, hey, look, let's all get involved on these few guys, which I felt like we did this year. We really locked in on a couple targets because we knew we couldn't have a big class. And the focus was, let's go get these five or six guys. Uh, I thought that that common goal, uh, we, we accomplished it uh, together. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to follow up that with, with this. It feels like when you're recruiting, when you're showing guys from Texas and you're showing guys from Oklahoma and you, all you got to do is take a picture outside the stadium and you got the mountains behind you and the forested trees and the snow cap and the ski resorts, which I'm not sure you allow them to go skiing, but, but you know, all the things there that, that you can see it, Ogden's a beautiful place. How different is the recruiting job for those out of state players versus the in-state players who kind of have this, well, it's Ogden, man, you know, and, and they may not have that, that feel of what how special Ogden really is so I think one thing that really ties in is that our personality as a team we are a team that has a lot of those different we've got Pacific Northwest guys we have Texas guys uh, we have Southern Northern California guys and so it's easy for the out-of-state guys to come in and they, they get off the plane right you envision this and they're freezing right off the bat it's just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, freezing cold what are those you know these mountains you know uh, for for some of the guys or whatever it may be and it's so different and then they see someone doing it and they're like well gosh if he can do it i mean i i, I can probably do this and then we say well not only he's not just doing it this is an all-conference guy you know and um 
And so it's, it's really about helping them realize that, hey, look, you can plug in and handle these sorts of things. How, we, how it differs, not much, because the protocol is so similar. We do um, sure. ha- have a little bit of difference in it. But overall, the, the main goal, and I think something that we've really focused on, is, is creating a family atmosphere with, with strong ties of unity um, so that they do feel together despite the fact that they're from different places. So coach, I'm actually really curious to get your take on one specific player. I know that you, uh, you do a lot of the recruiting in the state of Utah. You're also the wide receivers coach. And so I have to ask about our boy, Noah care. I kind of want to get your insight as to what you see in him and how you as the wide receivers coach think that you can develop him over the years at Weber state. His dad, right. Is a very, very successful coach. And, and Eric does a great job. He's a great football mind. I'm really fortunate to be on this staff as the receivers coach, but I'm also fortunate to have a guy like Skyler Ridley with me. So we kind of have this, this feel and we, we really work together. Uh, Coach Ridley, Coach Hammer and myself in this, who are the three in-state recruiters on Noah and, and really just showing him that despite what you may have seen offensively in the past, uh, we're going to be an explosive offense, which is what he wants, right? For him, that's all Noah really wanted to see. He wanted to know that the explosive offense that he was leading at Corner Canyon, that he was going to be able to be a part of something similar at Weber State. And I thought between Coach Hammer and Coach Ridley and myself, just trying to help him see that picture, that we were going to give him those opportunities. Um, I think he caught that vision. And we are so lucky to have that young man because he is a heck of a football player. He'll impact games very early. And he kept, he's caught a lot of footballs now. He has caught a lot of footballs in his career. That's right. Record-breaking receiver, right? Most catches in the state. State history. history. He's a stud. We're excited to have him. Led the nation this year. Coach, I had a question more on, like, the the technical side of recruiting this year. Um, So you mentioned, you know, a lot of different states, whether that was, you know, Coach Hammer in Oklahoma, you know, Coach Dale in Texas. And every state pretty much has had different guidelines with COVID um, this year. And, you know, some some states – are um, some states are playing football in the fall, some states are playing football in the spring. So my question is, is how, how do you guys evaluate someone who, you know, you, we just went through an early signing period. How, how do you guys, how do you guys evaluate someone who may not have gotten to play their senior season in the fall or may not get to play football at all their senior year? How do you, how have you guys been able to evaluate those types of kids to see who might be a good fit, who also might not be a good fit? You know, the coaches, going back to the, the initial point, first starts with relationships, right? You got to have the relationships where people are going to funnel you to the right kids. The second part is, is getting you the right content. What are you seeing about? Because we're not seeing football, which is absolutely correct, which makes it very, very difficult. Arizona played a abbreviated six or seven game season and a condensed playoff. California still yet to play you know, uh, states like Washington's have yet to play. And so, um, yeah, we had a lot less sample size, but with technology nowadays, if you're being active, there's still a ton of tools that you can get the information needed, but it's really about trying to push and say, so we have a couple different tests or things that we ask for, whether it's a, a picture or uh, specific things. I won't give away all the secrets. I, 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 I'd hate to tip off somebody else, but on how to do some of these things. But there are a couple of different things that we do as coaches that when we're in a recruiting meeting during the week, we'll say, hey, look, 
can you get this? Boom, we've got that. And, and then Coach Hill says, let me see him do this. Okay. You know, so it, it's being a little bit of um, uh, deliberate in what we're asking for, having them follow up, get us that information, and then make the best assessment based off of, of what we do have and not hold it against them too much because it's, it, you know, it's, it's really not their fault and, and understanding, hey, look, there's going to be progress in our specialties developing guys. And then a second question that I have, uh, I have for you this evening is, do you have a favorite area of the country to recruit? And if so, what is it? I love good players. I don't care where they come from. So really, I, I don't have a, a strong bias. I do, I do know this much, and I'll kind of spill the beans. When we recruit, we obviously are on the road, so we eat out a little bit more. So the better the food is, yes, sometimes I, I, I like going to those areas. You know, I, I'm a Hawaii guy. So going home and eating, you know, uh, salmon and color pig and those types of things are always fun. But if the food is good and the players are good, sign me up. I'm going. Coach, uh, we mentioned earlier that, you know, the National Signing Day had come and passed. And we had written a few pieces on our blog at WeaverStateWeekly.com about some of the players that had signed. And so beyond looking beyond that, because we have another signing day coming up soon. Um, we wanted to ask, going into the spring season, into the fall, what are some of the biggest recruiting needs for either the spring team or looking forward to the 2021 fall season that some spots that still maybe need to be shored up a bit? Can you talk a bit about that? You know, we, we're, we're always looking for speed um, and, and we are going to graduate guys at the end of the, the fall uh, here coming up uh, in, in 2021. And so we have to project that we're going to have to add some players in January. Uh, you know, that list is, is, uh, is some pretty important names. You know, you had the Ty Whitworths and the Ben Bosses and Rashid Shahids, Jared Sheese, you know. So uh, there, there's a couple positions, um, although we feel very confident in those guys right behind them uh, because they've had a, you know ample amount of time to get themselves ready. We're still looking for a couple more pieces, you know, maybe uh, maybe some speed on the perimeter, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a running back, those types of things, game changers that we just can't turn down really is what it is. I, I think, uh, every room has got great players right behind them. So I don't think there's a, I wouldn't say there's a hole in any depth chart, but, um, we also don't want to just overlook 2021 guys, you know, which I think is kind of the feel that this class is getting like, man, we're, we're not getting a fair shot. So we're just trying to make sure that, that we're doing no stone is unturned and making sure we're sweeping through every area. Coach, I'm curious to know, we've been talking a lot about recruiting, but that's only a fraction of what you do, right? You're also the wide receivers coach. We've had the privilege to have a bunch of your wide receivers on this program with us. And uh, I, I kind of want to get to know your take on this group of guys, because I think the sense that the fan base is getting is that this is a group that's ready to break out and that this might be the season that they do it. First of all, I love the group. We're, we're very close knit. We got guys in there that uh, don't have egos about what they're doing individually, that they're team oriented. Uh, when you look at the upper shelf of what that is, the Devin Cooley's and Rashid Jaheed and, and uh, Ty McPherson and David Ames, those guys, uh, Isaiah Jackson, they played a lot of football. And, and so right now their focus is how can I help tutor some of these young guys? And they've taken that seriously. We laugh a lot. Um, I, I and I want them to, you know, this has been a, this has been a trialing time um, for a lot of them. Um, and, and it's been go stop, you know, at different times. And so uh, when we're together, we were all together last night, we're not watching the national championship game um, at the house and uh, a lot of good laughs, a lot of differences, 
Um, but uh, we, we were very open to all those things. And, and I honestly can't wait to get this season going uh, for their sake, because um, I, I think, I think, I don't want to spoil it or, or jinx myself, but these, these guys are ready. That's what I'll say. Well, we're excited for a, a trip to Frisco. I almost booked tickets the other day. Um, <laughs> so hopefully hopefully those guys coming in as receivers are a big part of that. Uh, just a couple of quick hit questions, and, and I don't want you to take a long time with this because producer Dan's going to give me the stink eye. Um, but how much has the free year of eligibility this year for the seniors changed your, your method of recruiting? Because we still have the same number of scholies, but uh, how does that change? And, and you kind of mentioned it in your previous answer about – the, the 21 guys being overlooked. How much is that changing the makeup for not only the spring, but the fall season? Just made us have to be a little bit more selective um, because we just don't, we won't necessarily have those spots where, you know, the cycle just always turns on a normal calendar year. So it's just yeah, a little yeah. bit different. We're just a little more selective, but. Yeah. And then the one, the one question that I wanted to get back to from earlier about Ogden specifically, um, and and this could be a little bit broader, but, uh, what's the one place not on campus, not campus related that you show the recruits in Ogden to give them a good sense of the community and the vibe here? Taking them out through that Huntsville, Eden area and up into the snow basin. Um, oh yeah. We think that that's a, that's a special uh, place in, in giving you a feel of outside of football and, and what this location does. And, and generally these visits happen in January. So it's tough to maybe take them on what we would, maybe a hike or to sure, the lake. Sure. But um, yeah, we take them to Snow Basin and let them kind of see. And, and uh, they, some of these guys have never really ever been in that, that type of scenery. So they're just asking questions. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Trapper's Loop is awesome. I want to talk a little bit about some of this um, early signing period, uh, the folks that did sign, because we've there are some really exciting names we've talked about one already with Noah Care. Uh, you know, dynamic quarterback out of, or I mean, wide receiver out of Corner Canyon uh, was really, really great down there. It was a, you know, what, a three-peat, something like that, like state champion, all-time all leader for the state in uh, catches. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of these others, though. Like we mentioned earlier, Jake Icorn, who was an MVP in, uh, I can't remember if it's 2A or 3A, down in Beaver, like just a just a great player. Like, you know, you, you recruit in the state. What, when you saw a kid like Jake, what was the what was it like? What did you see? What did you like? And what was it like recruiting him? So Jake has an excellent personality. Uh, he could, and uh, you guys have talked to him on the show. I, I remember seeing the write up on it and uh, and talking to him about it, following up after, uh, and he had a blast with it. But you know, he 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 throws close to a ninety mile an hour fastball. It's like right in that ninety range fastball. He led the state in major league stuff. Yes, uh, his his first matchup. Okay, so early early on, the the question is going to be how is he going to match up when he plays a big time player. So he, he plays against an individual, and I won't say his name, but he's going to Nebraska. And early in his highlight film, he puts that kid on his back three times. And not late in the game when it's a blowout. We're talking the first play of the game. Um, and when, when you saw that competitiveness from him and that willingness to finish people the way he was, you know, because you're talking about a six foot five, six foot six kid. He's 260 pounds. He bends incredibly well, super flexible, which is one of the key things we're looking for uh, in those big old linemen to see how they're going to be able to handle the weight and to see how he's finishing guys uh, was one of the more impressive things that we saw that just said, we, we can't, 
we can't wait. And we, we got to just kind of, we, we kept him under wraps now. He, we told, yeah, fun, fun recruiting process, but he's with us and we're excited about him. Definitely are. We were excited to see him come to Ogden and uh, get that announcement on national signing day. Coach, we also wanted to talk about Jaden Ayu. Uh, you know, this kid was really great linebacker down in Orem, played for Orem High and really had, you know, it comes from a football family. And so talk to us a little bit about recruiting him and what you saw there and uh, what got you excited. So like I pointed out, right, we have Hammer and Coach Ridley that helped in the state. But this is Matty Ayu's nephew. So he naturally gets involved uh, in this process. It, he is one of those kids. I mean, he had 22 sacks. Right. They they went on them. Orem didn't play for almost I think it was four for sure, four weeks, maybe five weeks. So this kid should have had uh, I mean, they, they end up doing really well in the end. But uh, he, he probably could have had 27 or 28 sacks um, because they Just missed a month no. of football due to COVID and different things. Um, he's very explosive, well-spoken, super respectful. Um, and he is going to he is going to help us. He's all about football. He comes from that family, uh, the IU clan that that just they they understand what it takes. They know how to do it, and uh, they they breed them the right way. So we we can't wait to get Jaden on campus. Coach, I also I I'm curious to know a little bit more about another in-state guy, right? Y'all killed it in-state in the early signing period, and I think there were a couple names that kind of surprised some people, and among them is Jack Kelly. Another three-star linebacker out of Kearns who had some big offers, and he turned them down to come to Weber State. And so I'm, I'm curious to know your take on Jack. Jack is really good at football, guys. <laughs> he is really good at football. Turn the That's field all you need to say. Where you don't see him not dominating. Okay, so I, I could go into this whole list of, of bullet points, but the bottom line is um, we are so excited to have Jack. Coach Rickards there at Kearns. Um, we have a close relationship with, and he was really instrumental in that. And again, it goes back to the relationships, but coach Rickards is really helpful in the process in getting us and keeping us up to date with where recruiting was at. Recruiting is, is, uh, is really unfair. It changes so, so much. And so a kid might have an offer one day and then they move on and then they come back. And all we tried to do is be consistent. We kept his mailbox full of letters. We kept his text message box full of, of, of things that we cared about and, and continue to love him up. And it went our way. We're so excited to have those two in uh, on our defense. Coach, there was uh, one, other, one other player that I wanted to talk to. And this player came from uh, Oakland, which Oakland has been really good to Weber State. Uh, you were able to land LG Anderson, a DB out of Laney Junior College. So junior college transfer to Weber State. Um, talk to us a little bit about him because, you know, when folks are coming out of junior college, maybe folks haven't, they're not paying as close attention. They don't know a lot about this player. So how did he get on your radar? And uh, talk to us about what you saw there and what got the coaching staff excited to make an offer and, and finally get him to commit to coming to Weber State for the next two years. So LJ is the brother of Max Anderson, who played for us uh, as a true freshman this last year. Uh, LJ originally signed at San Jose State. If you know our staff, you know Quinton Ganther. If you know Quinton Ganther, anything uh, north of about Bakersfield, if he wants it, he's bringing it here. Uh, he's that good of a recruiter. And it's not just that he, um, you know, is fun and exciting. He's all of those things, but he cares about the kids. And, and the kids in our locker room uh, from the Bay Area that he's recruited love him. So when a Bay Area kid calls his buddy and says, hey, how is Weber State? Uh, not only do they love 
their uh, experience, but they speak highly of Coach Ganther, and 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 that's why we continue to uh, to keep that pipeline strong uh, in the Northern uh, California section. That's wonderful, and when we saw that signing, we were excited as well. Uh, it's it's good to see those kind of players because, like you said, Weber State is a place that develops players. That's what you guys do, and you do it really well. So, for a, a player like uh, like him to come and you know, join the Wildcats and be a part of an already very stout defense. Weaver State is known for great defense here. Uh, it's just just exciting. Uh, Coach, before we let you go, we wanted to ask one more question. Um, we hinted at the beginning of the interview that, of course, the SEU uh, Thunderbirds will possibly, looks like very likely, be leaving the, the Big Sky Conference um, here on Wednesday. The, the announcement will come. And so we wanted to ask a little bit about that, Coach. You know, you're, you've been on both sides of the rivalry here. You, uh, you've seen it um, both ways. And so what, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that the rivalry will continue with Weber State and SUU? Does it, does it kind of fall away? We, we hope not. We like the rivalry, but I uh, want to get your thoughts as a, as a person who's seen both sides. Feeling-wise, I, I am a little bit sad because uh, – I, so I was a senior. We beat UNLV in 2011. Uh, down there in Las Vegas, and it was that week. Uh, we, that year, uh, beat Sac State NAU and Weber as well, and that was what got us the invitation, was that, hey, you know what, maybe Southern Utah's okay. And so that was a part of my career, and so, I, yes, I was really um, kind of sad when it first came out. Uh, but as far as what I know, um, you know, about things with what Coach Warren and, and – uh, Debbie Corm, their AD, and President Wyatt are doing down there. They feel it's best. I hope we can keep the games coming, though, because it is fun. It, it's a lot of fun for these in-state players. I think it's fun for the fans. I, you know, it's one of the games that we draw a really good turnout. There's a lot of emotion in the stadium, although the games have gotten a little more tilted in the last little bit towards Weber's side, uh, which I'm happy for. Right answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it really, it really has been. It really has been a lot of, a lot of fun to be a part of it on both sides. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I lost some major recruits now to these guys. Like, uh, I, 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 these guys, they, they, they uh, but that was that was the fun part about being there and battling it out, you know. And and so I don't know what direction they feel. Uh, this is or, or why exactly they're going this direction, but they feel it's best and support them and hope that we can keep, keep it going. Cause I, I love it personally. Yeah. Because the beehive bowl is a, is a good time. Uh, I've been to games at Stewart stadium. I've been to games at Eccles Coliseum. Uh, for some reason, those games were in November at, at seven o'clock at night, which really pissed me off, but I was there anyway. And so, uh, yeah, I agree with you, coach would hope to see it continue. I'm hoping like a Florida, Florida state kind of thing. We're like, Oh, we're in different conferences, but we still take this seriously. So hoping for the best and, um, we'll see what happens, but coach Jared, sir, thank you so much for coming on Weber state weekly chatting with us about recruiting, talking about the recruits that are coming in, talking about the conference and everything that's going on up in, uh, up in the North entrance and uh, your office is up there. Great things happening. And we're excited to see kickoff uh, up in Pocatello in just a few weeks. Thanks a lot. No doubt guys. Thanks for having me. All right. We want to thank coach Jared Ursula for chatting with us about recruiting this year and uh, about the upcoming spring season. We have a lot going on uh, with football and we're just a few weeks away to kick off. So looking forward to that first game up in Pocatello. Uh, hope to see uh, another Wildcat win in Holt arena, which is a garbage place to play football. 
All right. Uh, now we want to talk a little bit about survivalry. Uh, we were anticipating an announcement from SUU, like Matt Brown talked about on our show a few weeks ago, that SUU will be leaving the Big Sky Conference. So what does that mean for the Beehive Bowl and the rivalry between Weber State and Southern Utah? Will it survive? Will it not? Let's find out, man. Uh, so I want to talk to the con to, to our panel here today about what they think. Will the rivalry survive? And if so, why? If you don't think the rivalry will survive, who do you think will be the next obvious in-conference rival for Weber State? Uh, let's throw it to our panel. Who'd like to go first and give me their take? Why or why not will the rivalry survive? Sean King or Sean Lewis, go ahead, please. So I, I got a couple of different reasons why it will survive. I'm buying this. Um, and and here's why. One, one of the stated reasons Southern Utah says they're leaving the big sky is because they want to have lower travel costs. They don't want to make the trip to Eastern Washington. They don't want to make the trip to Portland state. Although Texas seems about the same distance away. So I don't think that really jives with me, but one of the things they're going to do is they want to keep local regional rivalries. Weber state, Southern Utah was a thing. We played them several times before they were in the big sky. Weber state is always magnanimous. We always are willing to play the in-state teams. Jay Hill will let them come in every time. And if they can convince the Big Sky Conference to let it be the last game of the year, I know a lot of people on this panel want that to happen. Um, I think that would happen. I don't think it'll. Ha I don't think the Sky will let them. It'll be a, an early season thing. They may not play every year, but just because of proximity, it's a bus trip. They don't. They may not have to stay at a hotel. Maybe it's one night instead of two nights in a hotel. They're, they're not flying proximity 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 location 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 they say it in real estate that's why this rivalry continues and i think it, it may not happen every year but two out of every three you're probably going to see uh weaver state and southern utah play the other thing i'm going to say is uh the rivalry becomes more important because now uh southern utah wants to be king of the whack these games that happen now take on more meaning because it's not a conference championship we're going to run into each other in the national championship playoff race. And that's where we're going to see the rivalry take off and become even more important because we're going to see them in the playoffs more often. So uh, I agree with you hundred percent, Sean Lewis. I, I would really like to see the rivalry survive and especially land on the final game of the season. You know, uh, I'd like for the beehive bowl to become Utah's version of the cat Grizz game up in Montana, or, you know, some, something similar like that tired of beating the crap out of Idaho state at the end of every season. It's really not, that's not a rivalry that I consider. Uh, so why not? Let's put SUU there, even though they're out of conference, Florida and Florida state do it. Why can't Utah, uh, Southern Utah and now Weber state find some sort of a similar agreement? Uh, I'll jump in here. So, you know, I mean, Ever since the show started, I mean, I've said, you know, how much I enjoy this particular game. Um, some of my fondest memories of going to Weber State games have been going to this game. And so, you know, one thing I always get nervous is when, like, you have a rival who leaves your conference. Like, obviously, scheduling all, uh, scheduling becomes a, you know, really big deal. I'm going to use my own alma mater in this particular case. So, Syracuse University, our biggest rival is uh, in basketball is Georgetown he said and, it I didn't think he would say it he said uh, the, he said the school's name wow well, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you never know like you know the listeners how much they know about Syracuse basketball history but you know for about for about let's see I think it was three years Syracuse didn't play Georgetown they went from having a home and home series every year and it was one of the biggest games of the year it was the game that some argue actually put ESPN as an entire network on the map with Big Monday. Um, they made a 30 for 30 about that. Exactly. And 
all of a sudden it just didn't happen. And so, you know, you never know what's going to happen with scheduling. I mean, look, Weber State's going to play an FBS team at least once a year. You know, you hope as we continue to be one of the better teams in the at the, FCS, at the, at the FCS level, you hope that, you know, we're going to go try to get one of those elite games against one of the teams from another conference, whether that's, you know, would have been Northern Iowa this past year, or, you know, we're going to play JMU in the future. You know, you want one of those other games. So like when it comes down to scheduling, like, if they're not in the conference, where's it going to be? And so do you want to commit every year to committing one of your non-conference games, you know, to that? Well, what if you want to go get a tune-up game? What if you want to go play one of the, you know, school like uh, um, Montana School of the Mines or whatever that we played a couple of years ago? Um, Mon- Montana Western blew them out sorry. like 71 to nothing or something. Sorry, Montana Western. What if you want to go get a tune-up game, you know, um, to b- before you go play your FBS team? I mean, you know, it just scheduling options become really, really limited if well, when Southern Utah leaves the conference. So it's like, you know, I, I'd love for the game to continue. I really want, you know, the game to continue because I like it so much, but I understand how scheduling works and I, I think it's going to be tough. I'm going to be John, totally honest. Can I, can I push back on this just a little bit? I know we're going out of turn and all this, but, but this is not a Texas, Texas A&M type split, right? We have played Sacramento state as a non-conference game in our history when we couldn't find enough teams to play on the, the West coast. So the fact of the matter is the location and the fact that they're close, they're out of conference. It's an easy game to schedule more often than not. I think that that's a good point. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that point per se. I'm just saying, you know, we're going to play what three non-conference games a year. Well, one of them I know is going to be an, against an FBS team. And one of them, you know, if, if, if I was making a schedule, I want a resume builder and, you know, you want somebody from the Missouri Valley football conference or you exactly. want somebody from the CAA, so, you want to play somebody that's top could, level could, to could, build that pedigree for playoff selection time. Because at the end but, of the if, day, the most important thing in my opinion is whether you're the one of the two seed, it doesn't really matter. Having home field advantage all the way to Frisco. And so, you know, you need that resume builder in my opinion um, early in the season in order to, in order to get there because you want to have as many, you know, top 10, top 15 wins as you can. Every coach in America, for the most part, doesn't matter who you are, they want that tune-up game at the beginning of the season. I mean, you know, FBS teams play F- uh, play FCS teams, you know, um, uh, FCS teams sometimes play NAIA teams. I mean, like... It's the little sisters of the poor, man. So it's just, I, I get all the stuff about all the regionals. I, I get all the regional, you know, stuff that goes along with this rivalry, but... I'm just saying from a scheduling perspective, that's how I would, I would try to schedule things, you know, if, if I was in charge of making schedules. So I think it's going to be tough. I, I, and I hate that because I, I really enjoy this game, but I just, I think it's going to be tough. AC, what about you? What are you thinking here on the survivalry of the WSU SUU rivalry? Proximity alone maketh not a rivalry friends. Just because <laughs> SUU is close just because their fans can get here in three hours, four hours, whatever it is, that doesn't mean it's a rivalry. True. Let's be real. They're dipping out of the big sky because they know they can't compete. Woo! Weber State competes. Not only do we compete, we win. The three back-to-back-to-back conference champions, and they know they can't compete with us. They can't compete with us on the field. They can't compete with us off the field in recruiting. They're dipping because they know they can't win in the state. This isn't a rivalry. This isn't a rivalry. And it's not going to survive because it's not a rivalry, right? And so, I mean, sure, it'll be easy. They're fan- it'll be easy to schedule in the future, but it's not a rivalry to begin with. And so how can it survive as a rivalry after they leave? 
My pitch yeah. for a new rival here, I, I, I got a new pitch for you. You don't like Idaho State because they haven't been competitive in a while. I get that. How about Idaho? Idaho's had really good recruiting classes. They're still a relatively close drive. They've got, they've got the arena. They've got a confident fan base who thinks that they're going to be competing for the big sky in just a few years, maybe even as soon as, you know, the next two years. And so why not Idaho? In Idaho, they, they, I know that they've got a proximity thing with Eastern Washington, and they, they've got the little brother syndrome with Boise State and everything. And so I think that they're kind of struggling for true rivalry identity as well. And so I think that Idaho fits a need. I don't think that SUU is a true rival. And I think that Weber State and Idaho can be, it, it can become a true rivalry with a very competitive balance between the two schools in the very near future. So I, I'm going to play off AC's point there just because he's exactly right. The proximity is not a reason to have a rival. The rivalry is built upon the blood of, of games that have passed. It was us coming back late in the fourth quarter uh, in November one, one year. Uh, it was them beating us on our home field. It was us beating them in the playoffs uh, one year. It was it. those. <laughs> and we've crushed them ever since. And we've crushed them ever since, but it's those kind of things that made that rivalry what it was, right? There's always kind of that that in-state thing because these players played high school against each other, a lot of the in-state guys, but it, but AC's right. But here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this 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 quick story, um, and and this is this is something that happened to me. I always look at what who's the bit, one school that we hate more than anybody else on the in this program. It's it, it's the Montana Grizzlies, right? I freaking hate the Montana Grizzlies. We, we hate the Montana Grizzlies. But does Montana look at us as a rival? No. No, because their their rivals Montana State, right? Who are, so who are beating them in, right now? Yeah. And and I walked into uh, my boss's first day of work uh, when I got a new boss at my old job. Um, he was a big sky guy. Went to Northern Arizona. First thing he says to me walking in the door, um, he sees a Weber State pennant on my wall in my cubicle. And he says, oh, Weber State. You know how that is that one school that no matter how good your team is, you always seem to lose to them. And I said, yeah, it's Montana. I hate those guys. He's like, yeah, for us, it was Weber state. So we got to look at what our, what our place is in, in the big sky. We're one of the two behemoths, Montana and us. We're the two teams that everybody hates, right? We're the two teams that it's everybody's Super Bowl when they play us. Right. Um, especially now that we've become more nationally re- relevant on, on the bigger scale. So, the, the fact of the matter is, is everybody hates us. We're everybody's rival, right? We just don't have that natural hatred for everybody else because we destroy them every time we play in football and basketball. My Honestly, the, the crux of my argument is that Weber State is on a different level than SUU, not just football. I'm not just talking football. I'm talking the whole athletic department. Weber sure. State is just on a completely different level, and SUU can't compete, and so they did. That's the bottom line. This rivalry, it's not even a rivalry. This game, this – heat this tension that everybody's trying to manufacture it's not real and it's not going to last it does feel a little bit one-sided you know the SUU student section gets very into it you know doing the uh doing the Ohio State Michigan thing taping all the W's across campus all that stuff you don't see that necessarily on campus at Weber State uh before game day but I wanted to propose uh if we were to follow AC's train of thoughts thinking that this isn't really a rivalry. There were a couple of hot years uh, where SUU was able to compete with Weber State, even beat us once at Stewart Stadium after, in my opinion, a cheap hit on uh, on our on our quarterback that season. Uh, and so, but after that, we showed them who we were in the playoffs and when when it mattered. Right since then, it hasn't been much of a rivalry. We've really taken care of business. They really had no chance of beating us in football. But I think that if we were to look and find another in conference rival. Um, I think that it could be NAU, and here's the reason why. 
NAU has had a very, very weird relationship with Weber State for the last few years. Luckily, we were able to beat them. We ran all over them last season, thanks to the, the crafty running of Josh Davis and others. But before that, I think we had lost, Jay Hill had lost to them like three times in a row leading up to that game. And so it was very, very frustrating and weird. Like, how do we keep losing to the Jacks? What is going on with these guys? And so I think that if the Jacks are able to elevate their play a little bit more and continue to be competitive with Weber State or even beat us in these weird matchups, that could potentially be a rivalry. But I agree it has to go a little bit back and forth and there has to be a bit of animosity between the two schools for there to grow a rivalry because right now Idaho State is very, very close to Weber State and nobody considers them a rival in Ogden. Don't don't you have to have more than 10 people in your stands before you can have a rival? Uh, that's fair. Because NAU doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just... hey, I'll say this. I'm going down to the game in 20, you know, this, this fall. We're planning on playing the Jacks down in Flagstaff, and I've heard a lot of great things, and so I will be down there for that game. Looking forward to it. So this will be great. Uh, I, thanks, I'm going to throw some shade, Kobe, before you end. I'm going to throw some more shade at NAU's way just because I want to do this. But um, they're not even the best team that uses that building, the walk-up Skydome, because the Arizona Cardinals do their training camp there in the in the fall. They're not good either, though. All right, so uh, <laughs> we're going to move on now, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about upcoming events. Uh, of course, like we said, basketball season is still in swing. We've had a couple of weird things happen, a lot of cancellations, but luckily we were able to schedule some games uh, this weekend. So we will be seeing. Um, Weber State will be facing Yellowstone Christian College. Never heard of these guys until today, uh, but on Saturday, January 16th, we will be facing Yellowstone Christian College in the Purple Palace at 2 p.m. So that's going to be an interesting game. It will be on Pluto TV and 103.1 The Wave. Uh, also, same day, we mentioned this last week, women's soccer will be playing an exhibition match against UVU at RSL's Harriman Stadium. That game will be at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as well. It will not be advertised or it will not be broadcast on Pluto TV or elsewhere. So if you're interested, I don't even know if you can get in, but just want to let you Wildcats know that women's soccer is beginning and spring sports are starting. Finally, we also have another game on Sunday, January 17th. Men's basketball will be playing Tarleton State, who will become a member of the WAC later this week, it sounds like. 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in the Purple Palace. That game will also be on Pluto TV and 103.1 The Wave. So you can get your fill of Wildcat basketball this year, or this week, because we haven't played uh, since the UVU game, which has been disappointing. So with that, we want to wrap up the show. Uh, if you have ideas for the show, you have some feedback that you'd like to send, please feel free to email us at WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. Uh, we're also, like we mentioned at the top of the show, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially during the game. And finally, we have a blog. Like we mentioned in the segment with Coach Jared Ursua, we have a lot of content up there for you about these recruits. If you want to learn more about who has signed with Weber State or who has considered signing with Weber State, you can find it there at our blog on WeberStateWeekly.com. So we're going to wrap up the show this week. I want to thank our illustrious panel for taking the time. And also, uh, if you haven't already, please uh, tell your friends and family about the show. It helps us to find our way and grow the following. We want to talk to as many Wildcat fans as we can. So we'll wrap up like we do each week by saying Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs> Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. 
It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.